The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When did you start to feel like that, like you were questioning who mm. you were as a, like your gender? Yeah. I started noticing it around the age of six. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, there was this distinct moment that I remember, um, I was a little kid and like, you know, how parent, you know, like my mom's like brushing my hair and I had like had this towel on, but it, like she made this comment she was like, and my mom was like, I'm sorry. She thought, she thought she made me trans from this comment. I'm like, no mom, that's not what you did, you know? Yeah. But like, um, I remember like I had the towel on and she said, Oh, it looks like a dress. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, I love that feeling what she just said. To me. And that was my first like experience with that. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening Judging Megan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I think in life, it's so important. I like to start light, but I just, I do want to start with this. I realized yesterday I was on a walk with 
a, a, a the per, if you've read the chapter in my book and I talk a lot about mean girls and that kind of stuff and a friendship breakup and how traumatizing it was for me. But I also talk about a, a story where I had kind of been, I was at my low, one of my lowest points of my life and I was at a party and I screamed at a girl and I cussed her out. And then that was like the end of me in my little community, beach community um, outside of Los Angeles. And I, I went through this horrible friend breakup and people in the community like were, I felt like I was wearing a scarlet letter and, um, and I had apologized to the girl that I cussed out like a, probably like a year ago or more. And I realized yesterday. So this is, I'm telling the story horribly, but basically what happened was in the chapter, I talk about how we're like in a good place and we're friendly and she forgave me and she recently has gone through stuff. And so we decided to go for a walk yesterday. So we were walking right next to the beach and it was beautiful. And I talk a lot about these women I call the Karens that are my ex friends. And, um, and the one that probably the two that probably hurt me the most happened to walk by at the exact minute that I was walking with this girl that I am very open with the fact that I was not always kind to her. I was not always the person that I am today. I'm not perfect. I say all the time I'm perfectly imperfect because I think we all are. But it was a kind of a full circle moment for me because in my head, I dreaded this time. One of them had moved away. So I was like, oh, I never have to see her again. It's done, whatever. And I thought by seeing this person, I would be so triggered and it would be, I'd go home and I'd cry and it would start all over for me again. And I realized I was okay. I'm okay. I thought about it. Yeah. Does it bother me a little bit still? Yeah. I mean, do they piss me off? Yeah. But it's a full circle moment. And I'm going to bring my guest in right now because I'm so excited to have Joanna Whaley on with me. Joanna is a musician, an LGBTQ plus extraordinaire host, a former faith advocate and speaker and I am just so thrilled to have you on. I met you on TikTok, Joanna. I I was following Yay. you one day and you were doing, you were talking about something I can't remember. And I just immediately was like, I need to have this person on my podcast. Hi, Joanna. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. And and when I introduce you, um, I want my audience to know something that I don't think to, should define anybody. But it's something that we're going to be talking about today is Joanna is trans. And I first don't introduce, I don't want to introduce Joanna as trans because I don't think that that should define anybody. Just like saying that would be like mm. Megan Judge coming on a podcast and going, Megan Judge is a straight hetero woman. She's also <laughs> a speaker and a podcaster. Like nobody does that. But because we're going to be talking about Joanna's story today, I, I that is huge to me. And I bring up a lot how I, uh, I do consider myself an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. I feel it's important uh, to use my platform, which is so important to me to talk about how everybody should be treated equally with kindness. We're taught 
if you're spiritual and Christian, love thy neighbor, which we'll get into with Joanna. And I felt the need in this climate to use my platform because there's so much hate towards your community right now to use it, to try and get people that maybe don't understand that trans people are people too, just like we all are, what it's like to, to be trans and in this climate right now. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thank you. And you honestly, you hit it on the head. You know, I, I come from, um, I, I was an evangelical pastor for mm-hmm. 18 years um, mm-hmm. before I came out. And, you know, even before I came out, the language and the rhetoric about someone like me was was harsh. And And especially now, like as we're recording this, we're gearing up towards another election, Mm -hmm. um, the rhetoric is getting louder and more vicious. So I'm really happy we're having this conversation for sure. Um, just so that people can see, yes, as you said, I'm a human being. I have Mm -hmm. feelings. I have a life. I have children who, you know, look up to me and, you know, who want me to get food just like every other parent out there for them every 10 seconds. So like humanizing ourselves to, uh, everyone around us is important. So Before we get into your story, um, I think I can't imagine what it's like right now in in this environment to feel (laughs) scared. Like, I think your community has always been scared and afraid and like has the highest suicide rates of any community. Um, Now they're even higher. But what like what is it like in this climate right now? for you in particular? So I, I was with some friends the other day. I live in Detroit, which is right mm-hmm. next to Canada. And I was walking with a friend. We were walking down the river walk in Detroit and we had this conversation and we, we said, isn't it weird that we are standing here in, in America looking at Canada and just wishing we could go there because mm-hmm. it's safer for us. This kind of like living in America right now feels as, as a transgender person feels like any minute, like I have to think about how can I, how can I leave this country and get back to my kids? It's like this constant thing in the background of our head that's thinking like any minute we're going to become, we're going to have to be a refugee. And that's how it feels. I know that might sound extreme, but like, That's the feeling we have is like any minute, like, I don't know if I'll live in this country in 20 years. Like, that's how it feels at times. And so kind of living with that cloud, it's like, you know, it's hard because we have kids, we have lives here. And, um, you know, I mean, there's so much that we'll get into, but uh, yeah, yeah, it it always feels in the back of our minds. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to say it like as we open, because it's, it's so scary. And, um, and it's just like this stuff has like come to a boiling point and just with the Bud Light commercial, I mean, the, 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 with Dylan, like the ad, um, I, I'm, I follow a ton of trans cause I want to be supportive of the community and understand it for myself. I don't understand everything just like people don't understand everything about everyone, you know, like that's right. part of why I do this 
so people can try and attempt to understand what it would be like. But um, I was following a TikTok that Dylan did the other day, um, and it was about her being in Peru and she had to escape. Like she's been like, if you're not, if for my listeners, if you're not familiar, um, there was a Bud Light campaign and it went, people went like loco nation over it because (laughs) it was just some one in particular trans woman that did an, an ad like with her face portrayed on the can. Correct. And then one can. And then now she talks about that. She can't leave her house. She had to leave the country. Like you just kind of talked about. Um, This is just a human being trying to live their life. So I just want people to like, kind of think about it because if like the definition of racism and prejudice and bigotry is um, not understanding. So if you, don't understand something, try to understand it. We all have it in us, but it doesn't mean that we have to be this way. And in my deep in my heart, I would like to think the best of people. So I want to start, get off my soapbox because I tend to go there (laughs) and I want to ask you about you. So tell me where, like where you were born, where you grew up. I want to know about your early childhood. We'll start there. Yeah. So I grew up in the Detroit area. Um, that's where I live now. Um, haven't always lived here, but grew up in Detroit area, grew up Catholic, uh, very good Catholic family, uh, you know, beer tents and, uh, and all that, you know, we, we did the whole thing in the Catholic world. Some former Catholic is chuckling right now because I'm of the Catholic. beer tent. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we, we were devout. I mean, my, uh-huh. my grandmother would drag me to church every day of the week in the summer because she went five days, you know, she went like five, six days a week. That was my backdrop. Um, very religious family, um, you know, but always a very like open family. So my mom, I was raised by a single mom, uh, didn't know my dad until the fifth grade, which we'll get into a little bit, I'm sure. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my mom, my mom was like your cliche, uh, beer league softball mom. So like, you know, she played softball like every night. I'm, I was always surrounded by lesbians, lesbians and trans people everywhere. But I didn't look at them as lesbians and trans people. I looked at them as like Tina. And I looked at that, you know, them as like Barb and all, you know, they were just people in my life. Um, and so yeah, grew up here, uh, very like queer background. Uh but also like a very Catholic background, which is mm-hmm. like this weird, uh, you know, like opposite spectrums that we lived in all the time, um, which really kind of set the stage for like how I was wired at a young age, mm-hmm. um, as far as like what I believed and how I saw people, um, and not even quite as a kid knowing what was going on in me, um, but it definitely set the stage for the love and acceptance that I try to give to others now, for sure. What um, was your was your childhood happy? I mean, it sounds like it, you had some something happen in fifth grade with your dad coming into the picture. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I guess a couple things started happening in my childhood. I had a great childhood. My my mom, she's just a, amazing, like 
when you think of single moms who are like rock stars, that was my mom, you know, like how she kept me fed, you know, like with the like $2 she could like bring home, like it was just amazing. And, um, you know, she just, she, I love my mom today. Uh, but yeah, uh, I didn't know who my dad was until the fifth grade. He just wasn't in the picture. And, um, you know, I'm uh, literally fifth grade. I'm meeting my dad for the first time, which was very, a very weird, it was always a very transactional conversation, you know, relationship. Um, but yeah, as a kid, like I started, I started experiencing, um, what we now know as gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Um, but like not having any language for that as a kid. So, um, what do you do with that? And that's, that was kind of the backdrop of my childhood. Did all the boy things that you were supposed to do, like played all the sports every day of the week, you know, um, played, played baseball and basketball with my friends and did what I was supposed to do. Um, yeah. And so, especially when, when, dad showed him the pictures like well now I better like do all the boy things yeah and, like baseball know, like all the things up. and Absolutely. when did you start to feel like that like you were questioning who mm. you were as a he like your gender yeah. I started noticing it around the age of six okay um you know I, I there was this distinct moment that I remember um, I was a little kid and like, you know, how parent, you know, like my mom's like brushing my hair and I had like had this towel on, but it, like she made this comment. She was like, and my mom was like, I'm sorry. She thought, she thought she made me trans from this comment. I'm like, no mom, that's not what you did, you know? Yeah. But like, um, I remember like I had the towel on and she said, Oh, it looks like a dress. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, I love that feeling what she just said to me. And that was my first like experience with that. Um, and like, I would always, uh, like be noticing like what my girl cousins were wearing and like, always just kind of wanted to play with them and be like them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really started to show itself in early elementary school when all the boys were getting really gross about all the other girls in school, you know, like all their hormones start raging. And so, um, I started having a very different uh, different experience than all of my friends, my guy friends, mm -hmm. where they were wanting to like, you know, be gross with girls and like do things with girls. I just wanted to be the girls. Yeah. I just wanted to be one of them. And that was a very different experience. And then like, you know, with little like boys, you can't, you can't say something back then that was like, that was queer, you know, or you'd be ridiculed. So yeah, I never talked about it. Um, so that was the backdrop of my childhood. I knew something was up. I didn't have any language for it. My mom tried to like talk about it with me and was like, Hey, are the only language you had was, are you gay? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm gay. That's what I would say to her. Um, she started noticing because I started, I was wearing her clothes like yeah. at night. And yeah. I like ripped a pair of her shoes because I was getting too big. <laughs> at what age were were you feeling like at what age did you start like experimenting? And I, by the way, I love your With mom clothes. that she was supportive because there are yeah. so many kids that don't have that, sadly. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, when I started experimenting was probably, I would say maybe 
fourth grade is when I started to ex- like, like, oh, I'm going to put on my mom's dress that's yeah. like hanging up in the laundry room. Like I would do that. You know, I was a kid in the summer. I'd stay up late. Everybody's asleep. I like would put her clothes on. But eventually I just started getting too big and was ripping her stuff. So that's when she <laughs> that's when she confronted me. She's like, hey, are you gay? And I'm like, no. She's like, why are you wearing my clothes? I'm like, I don't know. I just like them, you know. Um, but I was like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, you know. And that's just kind of like try to push that down um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want my mom to think I was gay because, you know, all the kids in school made all the gay kids' lives like awful. So. Um, so yeah, of course I wasn't gay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is so hard because that's like a totally separate thing. You just want to be like, especially in grade school, it's so hard or middle school. You just want to be accepted, you know? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. for and to stop you for the people that are listening, because I have done an episode with a mother of a of a trans daughter, um, and she I did that like probably I re-released it pretty recently, but mm-hmm. I probably recorded it like two years ago. And um same thing. She was kind of like like living in Virginia, in in rural Virginia, you know, which is difficult. And, you know, she's like, my, you know, I just knew, I just knew like her daughter's now star was, um, you know, didn't want to wear the clothes that she didn't want to wear the boy clothes. She didn't want to wear the things that's, she felt gross and upset, you know? And so she, her her mother is so supportive and Mm. was like, you know, trying to fight it, trying to fight it and then just gave in and that you know, in this, that's stars very lucky that she has her mother. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like for you, nobody really understood back then how to deal with this. Cause you're either gay or straight. You're put into a box. Right. And yeah. And yeah. if you're a boy wearing girls clothes, the uh-huh. only frame of reference people had for that was silence of the lambs. So of course it was mm-hmm. like, Oh no, I can't let my kid do that. Because then my kid will become a serial killer. And like, you know, that was the only frame of reference back then. So um, at least in our little world, in our community. So, But let me stop you right there. Isn't it so interesting how the trans community historically has been made to be like villainized, like serial killers and. Or we're um, tricking you. Or like bad or mean or Mm -hmm. just all of these things. And at the end of the day, it's not true. <laughs> you no. know, it's like, there's, it's just like, they're just people like, just like everybody else. There's bad people and there's good people. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how that ha- historically has gone down like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there's some jerks out there, but I mean, 99% of the trans people I know are just like, so kind. So yeah. Okay. So tell me like, as you started to get older and go through puberty and that kind of stuff, that must've been really difficult for you. Yeah. And so again, not knowing what, not knowing that I had gender dysphoria, not understanding what that was. Mm -hmm. um, For my listeners that maybe don't understand what that means. Can you explain for somebody? Yeah. So gender dysphoria is a condition that is labeled in um, what's called uh, the 
is it the DSM, uh, which is like the basically, sorry, Christians, the Bible of, of, of mental, um, of mental disorders or, you know, and there's debate if it should be a mental disorder in the book, but, um, of mental conditions. Um, and the mental condition of gender dysphoria is that your internal sense of gender identity differs from your biological born sex at let you were assigned at birth. So, you know, it differs from your, um, you know, sorry for the word, but like genitalia, like you just don't identify with what your body did, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is, it's very, and it's becoming a very common thing now that we're becoming more aware of it. So going back to like that period in your time where you were dealing with this, what, what was that like? Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, I had to strap on the baseball uniform or the football uniform, um, you know, go to school, put on my boy clothes. And then, um, you know, once everyone was asleep, that was when I felt comfortable that I could actually be me. Um, and so, uh, but I always felt very secretive, uh, to make matters more complicated. Um, you know, in high school in high school is when it started getting really bad. Uh, I started really feeling distressed about putting on my, you know, my Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, collared shirt and my, you know, whatever, you know, dumb teenagers were back then. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I, I, it was really hard for me to do it because all of my like girlfriends were like, look cute. And I wanted to dress like them. And, um, and so I, it became really difficult because I got involved in church Um, and I, all of a sudden this kind of new narrative showed up in my world, which really put me at odds with how I felt. And this thing that I was like, not sure what to do with at one point, like, I don't know if I can do anything with this. My, you know, my mom had like created an environment that was very like, Hey, you're going to be fine if this is what you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, she, she kind of set that stage for me, but now I was building this new group of friendships apart from my family that was telling me LGBTQ people are going to burn in hell. Yeah. So for me, I was like, well, now I have this even greater like problem in my life that I was just kind of afraid of what my friends would say, but now I'm worried about what God's going to say about me. Yeah. Especially if you're somebody of faith, you know, I can relate in a totally separate way, by the way, but just being Catholic, growing up Catholic, Mm -hmm. we have something called Catholic guilt. Everybody that's Catholic has it. And, um, it's like when you're a kid and you start having like sexual feelings or like feelings about somebody or, anything along those lines, making out, like when you first make a, I remember being like terrified that yes. I was a bad person. And, you know, if you're brought up in my family, Irish Catholic parents, um, <laughs> don't talk about sex. Don't talk about any of that stuff to us until I got like some book 
called, uh, I think it was called like how babies are made. So we mm-hmm. have this in our put, put in our brains from a young age, okay. you know? And so I don't, I can't imagine what that would have been like with what you were dealing with and then put into that atmosphere in that kind of community where you're meant to feel like there's something really wrong with me and so much shame and guilt. Yeah. And what, what's difficult about that as a teenager, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Going in. So this was like one of those rock and roll cool churches Mm -hmm. that seemed very welcoming and everybody's hugging each other all the time. Like the music's at 110 decibels. There's lights and smoke. It was like cool church. It's like, this is a place you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're building all these friendships and you're in this place you want to be in. But then you're hearing these things about something inside of you that's now putting you at war with yourself Mm -hmm. and something you've never experienced before. Like now I'm walking into this place that's supposed to bring freedom to me. And I am feeling an immense amount of what you're saying, guilt but I also am very drawn to this. So it's a very weird conflicting thing to experience as anybody, you know, to be drawn to something that you think is amazing, but then you feel this weird guilt. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you end up doing? Like, did you stay? Cause then you went on to, well, I'm probably jumping yeah. ahead, but tell me about that. I stayed for 15 years. <laughs> Um, so did you fight it for 15 years or did you, yeah, well, let's get into that. So let's get, let's back up. So I, I'm in high school. Mm -hmm. I start going to this rock and roll church. Um, when you say rock and roll church, is this like, and I hate to use this example, but is it like Hillsong? Like one of those? Like, yes. So for anyone listening who's never been to a mega church, a mega church, sorry. Yeah. Like mega church is any church. that's like over a thousand people. I think is the technical term, but whatever. Um, there is like a stage. There is lights, fog machines, big sound systems. It looks like a concert when you walk in. I feel Um, like I'm shocked because I still do go to church and I am still a practicing Catholic and I do have hope for all like religions that everybody will be treated equally. That's my dream. There's parts of it. I don't obvious. I have issues with, or I wouldn't be talking to you today. Cause so I socially (laughs) don't agree with everything, but I do think my church in particular is very supportive of, they even have their own LGBTQ group. Um, I think that's my hope for the future, but I will say I am shocked that I have never been to that church because I'm a singer and like, probably my dream would be to be like the lead singer in the like mega church band. (laughs) Yeah. You're a singer too. I know. Well, you say that and that was what happened to me. That was my dream. Okay. I walk into this church and uh, all of a sudden I'm a musician. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. So in the pursuit of that dream, I allowed things to, I allowed myself to look the other way at things that were actually harmful to me Yeah. in order to get in front on the stage in front of people. So to go through the story here, high school, I joined, I end up going to this church and then I end up in the bands. I ended up in the in the worship teams. I'm 
I'm the I'm one of the lead singers in this big, huge mega church. Two thousand people at the age of eighteen. I am singing in front of two thousand people every week. Amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So fun. Um, I am and knowing my background, where I came from, very open, you know, family, uh, a faith, a faith based, open, affirming family. Yeah. Um, coming into this church that seemed open and affirming. So I actually got hired by this church. I was hired by this church to be what's called a worship pastor, like the music pastor for all the teenage ministries. So I'm doing that. Um, and in the middle of it, I'm going to school. I'm going to college. And this whole gender thing starts coming up a lot. It starts coming up in my private life. Now, all of a sudden, the way the church is preaching, everything's going. Um in college, I started to think about, because the first time I ever met trans people was in college. And so I started thinking like, oh my gosh, like this, what this person is, is how I feel. And I'm like, well, of course I'm in this kind of like church that they would love me no matter what, right? Just Mm -hmm. because of the language they use. Um, So I start talking about it to my pastors as a staff member, as a pastor in this church. And, uh, I was given an ultimatum. This was a couple of years in. Um, I worked at this church for 15 years, and they sent me to conversion therapy two times. Um, conversion therapy, nobody's familiar, is a practice called, it's under the term of biblical counseling. The idea is that um, they will use God's truth, they will use God's word and prayer to change your gender identity. Oh, you feel like a woman, but you were born male. We're going to change that desire in you. And it is traumatizing. It is awful. And I have news for people. Guess what? It does not work. Yeah. So the people that you see that in life, (laughs) you're like, hello, the people that you know, I mean, I've heard of conversion therapy, obviously, but the, but a lot of people maybe haven't. It, it is like, t- it would be like telling me, right. And I'm using myself as an example. Um, I got, like, say I am attracted to men, which I am. I'm happily married. Thank God. Um, for 22 <laughs> yeah. years, I wouldn't have said this you. like three days ago cause we were in a huge fight, but we're fine. <laughs> um, and it would be like me going and then being like, you are not attracted to your husband. You are like, yeah there is something wrong with you. You are a bad person. God yeah. does not like this. So like that's for now, listeners. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Imagine, you've been through it. Yeah. Imagine the therapist looking at you mm-hmm. or, li- or whatever listener who loves who they love. Now imagine them blaming your mother mm-hmm. for being a single mom or your dad or trying to point it to something wrong or not in that like ideal picture of a family if you have if you don't have the dad and the mom and the white picket fence and the dogs in your yard they're gonna they try to pick out something in your family background to blame your transness on that's what it was Mm -hmm. and it's very ill-guided and it is painful it puts you at war with people you'd never need to be at war with in your own soul and your own life. 
and it puts you at war with you. With yourself. And does it make you um, question like wanting to stay on the planet? <laughs> does it make oh, you question? Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm just asking this outright because it's so painful for people to deal with this. Yeah. It, I know people who have been through conversion therapy who have killed themselves. Mm -hmm. That is the depth and the weight of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the trans community, I say this all the time, everywhere I go and speak, the trans community, people are, the suicide rates are not high because they're unhappy with their transition. Mm -hmm. They're, people are unaliving themselves because of how they're being treated and how they're being told God views them. And so, um, that and this is, isn't that just is a, a one-time thing, by the way, for listeners. And I can't shut up. Sorry. No, that's it's a, fine. it's a, it's a constant, right? It's a constant where you're constantly being judged and mistreated and, yeah. um, being told there's something wrong with you. People can only take so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So after my Ugh, I, it's we hard to say this sometimes, but after my third round, I went through conversion therapy three times, Wow, two before I was married and once after being married, which was a totally different experience being married and being a pastor going through that and being, you know, single. Um, but yeah, it, it, it isn't just when you're sitting in front of that therapist, it becomes 24 hours a day. You are at war with yourself. So here, here's what conversion therapy does to somebody. Um, I could not walk into any store that had a women's clothing department without feeling an immense amount of guilt. Mm -hmm. Like if my family wanted to go to Target to pick up some toy or to like get a, you know, some potato chips. If the, and most targets, if you ever walk in target, the women's section is right there. When you walk in, I would sit in the car. I wouldn't go in. I had to wait in the car or the second we'd go in there. If the family went this way in the store, I had to go the complete opposite way because I was so afraid that if I even saw a woman's blouse that I would be quote tempted and that's what it does. It puts you at war with yourself 24 hours a day, no matter what you're listening, watching. You can't listen to like liberal media. You can't listen to NPR because they're queer friendly. Anything that's queer friendly, you got to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And so you're always on guard and you're always nervous that somebody is going to get mad at you. If you're even near something with a rainbow on it, God forbid, you know, that's the world you live in when you're in conversion therapy, you're in constant prison mentally. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D, designed for serious allergy suffering. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like 
I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How did you get out? How did you get to a place where you said, I'm assuming it was either you had like a life decision, like so many other people of like, I'm either going to like stay and be like, lie and not be able to live with myself or I'm going to be free and be Joanna. Like, tell me about that. Uh, (laughs) My process of becoming honest with myself was years long. Okay. Um, Because of my church background, my religious Mm -hmm. background. I mean, I believed the narrative that there was something wrong with me, that there was something inherently bad inside of me. I believed that trauma was the reason I wanted to wear women's clothes. I believed that trauma made me feel that way. I be, you know, I believed all these things that conversion therapy taught me, but a few things started to happen. Um, I had kids. So I have three kids. They're so fun. They're my best friends. I love my children. Um, they're you little have three. Still. My God, how I have old three are they? Kids. I have two. Um, I, I don't know how yeah. people have more than two. <laughs> yeah. Um, seven, five and three. So we've got our hands full oh, here, wow. you know? Um, okay. <laughs> so whenever the kids are here, I, you can't reach me for days on end. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause I'm always fetching food for children. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> or I, bringing get up fights. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I started to have this thing where like, I was having a hard time engaging with my children. 
um, I started to notice it. Like when I was playing with my kids, like they wanted to play this game. And if you, anybody who has kids or been around kids, they want to play the same game over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I just like found myself just like being a zombie when I was home. I was a zombie around my kids. I had a hard time like just engaging in simple things with them, you know. That was my first tip. Um, the next one that really happened uh, was COVID. If any of our listeners don't know what COVID is, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but... <laughs> Where have you been living yes, if you don't know what COVID exactly. is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Earth. Uh, <laughs> but COVID just made me so aware of it. So one thing to know about somebody who has gender dysphoria if you take away someone's privacy who has gender dysphoria, this is one of the issues in Christianity today. Mm-hmm. They treat problems with the wrong, they, they diagnose a problem wrong, and so they issue the wrong treatments. Um, so, for example, gender dysphoria, one of the worst things you can do to somebody with gender dysphoria is take their privacy away. So for me, even before the pandemic, my phone was monitored. I couldn't take, I couldn't take cash. Like this was, this was the level of intensity that I had to live in. Right. Wait, who was doing that to you? This was counsel. This was the therapist advising me and my spouse at the time. This is how you have to do it. Everything's monitored. I could not, everything's tracked location, uh, text messages, everything, my internet search history, Every single thing was monitored. Um, as I said, I couldn't even carry cash. I just left my debit card at home. And so, um, like, if I went out to Taco Bell, you'd get a text message, why are you there? Or, like, if you go to the store, why are you there? That was the level of craziness that we lived in. You were living and, in a prison. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, first of all, that's frustrating for somebody with gender dysphoria. But then COVID happened. And then all of a sudden, there was no privacy. I mean, you're, you, we were stuck at home for months on end. And so all of a sudden, I had no, I had zero privacy to, to think, to journal, to process, to do anything. And so I, my dysphoria just went through the roof because I all, all of a sudden I was living already under no privacy. And then all and any privacy was taken away because mm-hmm. of the, pandemic so i started to feel it a lot so you know that started manifesting itself and like i would just like i would just get in my car and drive and i would like put on women's clothes that i like i didn't know what else to do um you know and that sounds crazy but it's like the only way i could like get comfort in my life um well you've been doing that your whole life so it was yeah. taken away from you. Yeah. yeah. Like any privacy. If I if I had privacy, I would try to like be comfortable. I would mm-hmm. put on clothes, you know, that made me feel comfortable. And it's not, and a lot of people in the Christian world think, well, it's just clothes. It's just clothes. Why would you throw your whole way, whole world away for clothes, right? I heard that a lot. It's way more than that. It's way more, way, way, way more than that. Like now I don't even think about clothes. I'm just, I don't even like, I just picked this out of my closet today. I don't Mm -hmm. even care anymore. You know, like 
but it was about the expression of femininity of femininity and how I felt on the inside. Um, but yeah, that happened. And then what really tipped the scale for me was George Floyd. And that's a, I know that might sound like a strange parallel, but if anyone who is a part of the church at that time, culture was going crazy, right? Over black lives matter, thin blue line, you know, but the evangelical Christian church in which I was pastoring runs deeply conservative, right? And so here I am, I'm standing in front of thousands of people a week, singing, speaking, and I'm watching all these people whom I at one time loved and respected acting like complete fools and act just acting crazy, like just berating people for trying to stand up for minority groups. And then mm -hmm. the election happened yeah. and I was watching pastors that taught me truth. And I, I apologize if this offends anybody, but like they were, they were believing in things that were factually like being proven false in the media, you know, like about the election and things like that. And they, my pastors were like pushing these lies and pushing these things. And I just, I started thinking to myself, what have I been taught about myself? What have I been taught about God? What have I been taught about my gender that was so quote unquote true? What truth have I been taught by these people that is just total BS? So I just started reading. I started reading the Bible like front to back for months and months and months on end, asking the question, God, what do you say about me? I know what people say about me, but what do you say about me? And I love to joke, and I did a TikTok video about it, but how about how the Bible helped me come out? <laughs> oh <my laughs> because God. You're making it, me cry. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and it what did, did it like, say? And what did it say? I want to know. I'm joking. Nothing. But, I, but yeah, it says nothing. It says That's nothing. the thing. <laughs> it says nothing about trans people. It doesn't say anything about same-sex loving marriages and families. It says nothing about them. So where are these people that, and I have never read the Bible from front to back, but I've been going to mass my entire life from. You're that, a good Catholic. That's how it's I'm supposed a Catholic to be. <laughs> girl. And, and, but I don't, I, I have my dad actually like one of the, th one of my prized possessions in my life is my dad's Bible. He let my dad mm. passed away when I was 13. Um, but, and sometimes I'll like look at it, but it's really embarrassing. I don't understand it. I don't think most people understand what the Bible actually says. So you'll like read a page right. of it and then you'll go that I don't get it. Well, but that, where, yeah, I mean, where yeah. is this, where is this verbiage and these, like, where is this coming from that people are yeah. quoting these things out of the Bible? Oh, is this uh, a, a whole nother places. podcast? Maybe this could be a whole not. I'd be happy to come back. Maybe you should like, come back. Yeah, I would but I love do to. Wanna, I do want to know something because I'm a very spiritual person. I talk about it a lot. And aside from like wherever I am in like organized religion or spirituality or whatever people believe, I have listeners that believe in everything at the root of what I believe is my relationship with God is all that really matters. I do mm -hmm. go to mass, but that is also because I find like 
solace in mass. I find I love my priest. I like to hear, I, I just like it, but it, and it gives me peace. Um, not masses and church and organized religion is not for everyone. Just like the mega church isn't for everyone, just like Buddhism and uh, being Jewish, whatever your beliefs are. But at the root of where I am in my life is my relationship, knowing that I want to live every day of my life doing the best I can and being good. Mm. And I'm not, I'm a big hot mess, but, um, (laughs) I try and I know that I know that God's with me and I know that I I'm loved and I know that I love God. How do you feel about that with everything you've been through? Um, and people, that's a loaded question. Is it too loaded? (laughs) No, I listen, I'll try to, I'll try to get it in the next couple minutes here. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm speaking at a Buddhist temple next month, right? Like I'm speaking at a Buddhist temple for a pride event. Um, you know, I, uh, one thing we, we haven't really discussed, but I'm, I'm getting my degree, uh, in theology right now so that I can be a hospital chaplain. Um, that's, you know, the idea, I believe at, at our core that every single human being on earth is spiritual, has a spirit and, and this is where this is where I make Christians so mad, <laughs> and it's okay. I'm okay with you being mad at me, but I I do not believe in one way. I, that's I okay, don't. but that's and okay. Yeah, because I, I preached one way theology for for 18 years. I preached that. But when you get into the world, to the real world, when the rubber actually meets the road, when that book, when scripture and the person of Jesus hits the road with humanity, you realize, you start to learn really fast outside of that Christian, um, you know, the Bible is the Supreme Court law of everything. You start to understand really fast that this book is not a, 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 a collection of do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. It, that is not what it is. You start to see the inherent beauty in every single person. One of my favorite theologians is uh, is a Catholic priest. His name is Richard Rohr. Um, he's kind of one of the forefathers of what you call like progressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's like, I am a Christian. I, I am. Jesus is my connection to the divine, but I don't expect everyone else to have that connection. And that to that same in the same way. Um, and so that's how I've kind of like reconciled my faith is because like the, the Jesus that's being preached in some churches, I, I can't worship that Jesus. I just can't. That's that, that might be how you understand the divine. Like, you know, um, Karen, who, you know, crazy Karen, who's all over my comment sections, like screaming. Oh, I know some not... Karens. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. If you want some entertainment, friends, go to any of my social media channels and you will have some entertainment for hours. Yeah, yes. I'm sure. I don't know and... how you deal with that. That's hard. <laughs> That's hard. And, but the thing is, like, I have to come to a place in my heart and my spirit to know that Karen, who's screaming at me in, a, in the comments, telling me, Horrible, horrible things. 
I have to understand that she is a spiritual being as well. And the system that she is in right now has has lost its way. But Karen herself, I have to find my way to love that person because at that the core of that person is a good person. And that's how I deal with it. That's how I deal with negativity and, and, and opposition is to try and see the spirit of the person that's talking to me right now. And so that's how I've kind of held on to my faith through this because I have had every excuse to say, screw it, because yeah. Christians are terrible sometimes. That's why I speak again. That's why I speak, try to speak love into this community in which I pastored for 18 years yeah. to say, you're better than this. Jesus, Jesus is better than this. His way think, is so I much think better. Too, it's like there, there's so much like misinformation in media and like at the root of all of this misinformation is like money and people <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. if people just really took the time to talk to other people mm. and try and understand maybe yeah. this wouldn't even be happening. So when yeah. did you, cause I know I skipped ahead, but when did you like finally like, are like, like get to this place where you are today, where you're like, I'm Joanna, I'm proud. This is who I am. Um, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, from the time of this recording, it was one year and two months ago. Is oh, so, I, so recent. I came out a year ago from this well, recording. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Here I am. And do you, um, and are you like, I'm free. I'm me. Like, did you sing that song? I don't remember the words <laughs> of the song, but I know you're a singer. <laughs> I don't know if I did, but, um, you know, that is where, and, and that's where I have really, um, put my stake in the ground is, you know, and I, I don't fault my LGBTQ friends saying i'm sorry i can't follow this jesus anymore mm -hmm. can't do it through all of this i i've been singing my songs of faith which has helped keep me rooted and keep me focused on what i love and what i'm gifted at is doing that and uh you know, you said something, one of my songs on my, my album, I'm working on my third album right now, which is super exciting. Um, which if anybody's watching online, that's what's behind me here. I'm working what on What is it called? This. Let's promote my, it. My new record that I'm working on, it's going to come out probably sometime in the fall of 2023. It's called Good Gifts is the name of the record. Um, unless I come up with something better, but that's the working title right now. It's called Good Gifts. My second album is called Shell of Me, um, which was the first record I released as Joanna. Um, my first album is called The Way It Used to Be. It's all of the songs that I released as a Christian musician before transition, and I just re-released them under my new name. Um, because I was, I was a touring musician. I was on the radio all over the country you know, doing music. And the second I came out, it all disappeared. And so, um, so I just decided I'm going to re repackage all of it. But you mentioned something about how money is a driver. Mm -hmm. I was a pastor 
I understand this because one of the lines, the second verse of the opening song of my album, Shalami, is called Sync. Um, the, and the, the idea of the song is like, people are going to say whatever they want, but I'm going to sink into every word that Jesus said and know it for myself. Um, and the second verse says, um, the stances are driven by the wallets. That's one of the lines of the, of the song. Mm-hmm. Coming from a church background, I know and I talk to pastors every single week who pastor in non-affirming church spaces who want to be affirming, but if they make that stance, their whole church will stop giving and leave and they will lose their job and they will lose their mortgages and they will lose their marriages because they can't pay bills or whatever. Like that is a reality that's happening in within American Christianity right now is that these churches have become such business, such big businesses mm-hmm. That if a pastor wants to take a stance, they will lose their job or their church. And that's the reality that we face. This uh, is specifically like in the in the mega churches too, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like all about, yeah, I hear you. I but- talk to pastors of huge churches mm-hmm. all the time who say, Joanna, I am, I want to come out as affirming, but if I do it, I will lose I will lose my job. And I say, welcome to the club. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what happens. And it's sad. And some people just can't pay that. They can't pay that cost. And I, and I don't fault them for it because, you know, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are stuck in the middle with this kind of stuff, you know, and I think it's really difficult to be, to want to be, use your voice and know that you want to use your voice, but you're afraid of how you're going to be treated. And at the root of everybody, they just want to fit in, you know, and that's the thing that's so difficult in life is using your voice and, and what's right versus what's wrong. And it's, that's one of the things I think a test in life of what we have to do. Let me ask you really quickly before we close, if if there were misconceptions for for people that they thought about trans people, mm. what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have? Oh, gosh, yeah. And this is one of the biggest ones in media right now and mm. everything is we a couple things. The first one, we don't transition to be happy. People will say, oh, I'm, hap- I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're happy. I didn't transition to be happy. I and many of my friends have transitioned to be healthy. Um, We're healthier people because of our transition. Mm -hmm. And the other one I want to say is that um, it is not about sexual gratification. There's this overemphasis that trans people just want to like wear dresses and heels and like look all this outlandish, like to go kidnap your kid. Exactly. Yeah. Like that it's some sort of sexual fetish. Yeah. And that is just false. That is not reality. There is nothing sexual about my transition. There is nothing sexual about just trying to be healthy and being comfortable. Um, and I, I guess another one is if you're somebody of faith is that there is absolutely a path to transition for Christians. And um, 
And there's a lot of churches and a lot of clergy out there that will affirm that. Um, and you don't have to listen to those who will tell you otherwise. I think that's something that you said in the beginning when we were talking, and I could talk to you for hours. Um, is, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I know. Now we're friends. I always say that. Like when people come on, I'm like, just so you know, we're you're my friend now. And we're staying Yay. in touch. Um, now, listeners, you just listen to a friendship blossom. Today. I know. I love it. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I was going to say what you said in the beginning. I just really want people to understand what you said about how sad it is that this is the reality that so many people in our country are feeling that mm. are trans or transitioning or like the young kid scared to be who they are, that they don't see themselves wanting to live in the United yeah. States. Yeah. I mean, at the root of like what we are as Americans is we I think we all really love our country. I mean, I, I talk a lot about how on nine 11, I was just talking to somebody about this like a week ago on nine 11, the, when that happened, we all as Americans bonded together and, and people would like let people go past them in traffic or not honk if somebody cut them off or everybody had flags, you know, of like, you know, that we were all proud to be Americans. And then something has happened. I'm not going to say someone, but I will. I'll say someone then <laughs> came into the White House. No, and I am political and I'm sorry because I, I don't, I try really hard not to be, but it is hard not to be for me because um, I was always really, really proud of my country. Yeah. And I, I love what you said that we all are, good, you know, but I think we're just misinformed. I, I think a lot of us are just misinformed. So, um, mm. and try to inform yourself. That's what I'm going to leave with yeah. my listeners today. Try yeah. to like reach out. Like I read, I don't know everything about being trans. I don't understand everything. Just like Joanna doesn't understand what it's like to be me. I don't understand what it's like to be mm. her. Mm. Maybe reach out to somebody that you don't understand and like yeah. ask them questions. If you say the wrong thing, they're not going to bite your head off. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of people right now that are like, well, why? Like, why are there drag people um, doing drag shows and reading to our children? Well, I can tell you, I've been just growing up doing theater my whole life. I've been going to drag bars since I was in high school or maybe even early, probably earlier, maybe high yeah. school. You're and still I a cis female. So yeah, I have never <laughs> once thought, oh, this would be a scary place to um, take my child. Maybe some of the dances are a little provocative, but they're not like sitting here trying to do something yeah. to your child. Just like a trans person's just trying to live their lives. I'm so just trying that, to get beans in the grocery aisle. Right. I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And um. <laughs> And if somebody does, let me ask you this. So I was in Home Goods the other day, which I love. Who doesn't love mm. Home Goods, right? I don't know if you Preach. have. Love I mean, it. love yeah. Home Goods. You're like, I never knew I needed that candle and that weird like <laughs> frog with fake grass growing out of it. Um, <laughs> but I was behind uh, like three trans women. And I, you know, I could tell. And sure. I'm such a weirdo. Like I wanted to be like, where are you guys going? Can we be friends? But that's just me. Um, not everybody does that. But I did notice mm. the people in line were turning around and staring. 
And I was thinking in my head how, what that must make you feel like. Can you, before we close, kind of like tell my audience how that might make you feel? Yeah. Um, I want everyone to know that we hear the whispers. Mm -hmm. We hear and we see the glares. We see the double takes. Um, because you may have been aware of our presence for that split second you saw us in the aisle, in the frozen food aisle. But the second we walked out of our car, we've been seeing it. And whenever you feel somebody, whenever somebody's whispering about you, it doesn't feel good. Um, but I will say this. If you see a trans woman and you say, where are you going? Can we be friends? Do that. Oh, really? Do okay. it. I didn't do it. And part of me was like, maybe they're just no, going to think I'm so weird. No, I don't know. The amount of negativity we experience. We just need that sometimes. So mm. I've become like besties with one of the checkout ladies at my local Kroger. Like, so I just came in and then like, I think, you know, I somewhat passed. There's some days I don't like look like I passed. My voice gives me away a lot. So people are like, listen to the podcast, like what's going on? But like, you know, I had my pin on one day and she was like, are you gay? And I'm like, I'm trans. And she was like, <laughs> no way. She was like, my daughter. So like, she just said, you're so gorgeous. You know, she like always compliments and it just kind of makes my day. Yeah. Um, so like do it. If you have something nice to say to a trans person, just say it. Oh, and I, I think that, that I wish I they would will, have. They will. I mean, sure. Just like anyone in the world, you're going to run into some a-hole that doesn't want to talk. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, that's rare. Like if you say something nice to somebody, they're going to they're gonna say thank you. And even if it's just one little thing, you don't know what they have been dealing with, um, you know. And they're dealing with a lot right now. So like try to be, try to have some compassion people yeah. if you're listening um joanna in closing i just adore you i'm not kidding oh. like we're we're friends now um yes. and to my listeners thank you for listening if you have questions for me or feedback you can always reach out um and for joanna where can people find you joanna yeah you can just go to joanna whaley j-o-a somebody that's just going to talk on a podcast and like not be available um i want to i want to talk to you i want to be a resource to you and so um joannawhaley.com is a great place to do that any of TikTok. the social media channels yeah. tiktok <clears throat> coughing um yeah joanna whaley music and all of the social media channels well, I, in closing, I want to say once again, thank you so much for coming on. You know, I'm so glad that you came to your truth. I really am. I think, I think it's a beautiful story and a beautiful evolution. And I knew when I saw you, like I say so many times, I was supposed to talk to you today oh. at this minute. And I'm really proud to know I'm you. I'm crying and it's not just because I was. Oh, I cry all the time. Every podcast. No, I, I really, truly mean that. Everyone, be happy by making someone else happy.
Thanks, Joanna. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.